All right. What's going on there? Let's take a look at it. Now, let me go ahead and bring down that funk volume, that Negro funky music. That instrumental is um, from the group Above the Law. They're the ones who made this song uh, Black Superman. And they were at the forefront of creating the G-Funk sound. Obviously, Dr. Dre was also a significant part of the G-Funk sound. And um, and Warren G, of course. And California in general already kind of... Tend, they tend to make funkier music. You know, East Coast heads, they dabble in funk too because they're heavy on samples. And you're going to sample shit from the 70s. You're going to get some funk in your life. All right? All right, so... Talk Fury, going to be a little different. I will be stepping back way farther. No, further. <laughs> Whatever. Arther, further back. And I'll, I'll be stepping back. And this, the idea of this is um, more of uh, Dr. Springler, uh, Chelsea Springler, and Eric Hudson um, more so riffing with each other and, like, to you, the audience. And I did put the um, call-in number in the episode title so folks can call in and chat with them. And for now, in the minutes leading up to this, I'm going to be playing some audio of things that I used to play a lot more regularly on the Wine Cellar, right? Uh, The Big Gay News Report, the Green News Report, Jim Hightower shit. The things that used to be bumpers, right? Like when we used to do two and three hour shows, After the first hour, we would have a very long, like, 15-minute break bumper that I put together in show prep every day so that, like, everybody could, you know, run, go to the bathroom, get something to drink, you know, do, you know, get up and take a break from the show and then come back to it when it was uh, me, Lisa Loco, and Phoenix on a regular basis nightly. All right, so I'm going to open up Talk Fury with that. And then we'll go into the um, talking furiously, the conversation. All right, so I will uh, start out with that audio, and then we'll get into some programming. And then hopefully Phoenix Kalita and I have time to do some book clubbing. But by the time we get to the book clubbing, I only have less than an hour to get ready to go to work. So we might miss that. It is hard to double broadcast on mandatory seven-day work weeks. Okay, so let's um let's get down to the funky stuff as best we know how. <clears throat> Excuse me, matey. Mm-mm-mm. Here we go. Many years ago, literary critic Dorothy Parker skewered an unfortunate author with her sharp wit. This is not a novel to be tossed aside lightly, she said. It should be thrown with great force. That's how a lot of us feel about this presidential election year, distinguished by an incumbent who is so self-centered, incompetent, and both mentally and morally unsteady that he's more dangerous than a baby who's gotten hold of a hammer. He's been demolishing truth, shattering law, smashing rights, trashing the common good, well, generally eradicating the egalitarian principles that unify Americans into a functioning democracy. The worst, most divisive election ever, right? No. That honor belongs to the 1860 contest that Lincoln won. Despite rabid racism, furious intimidation of voters, vicious personal attacks, and daily death threats, not only from the goofball proud boys of the day, but from public officials and establishment newspapers. 
If Lincoln is elected, a Virginia member of Congress told the New York Herald, we will go to Washington and assassinate him before his inauguration. Ten southern states wouldn't even put his name on the ballot. Yet, Lincoln stayed both calm and firm in a time of dangerous turmoil, and not only did he hold a bitterly divided nation together, but he expanded our democratic ideals and advanced the power of ordinary people to achieve them. He didn't just shout, make America great again. He did it. Indeed, he died for it. This is Jim Hightower saying, the point is that Lincoln did not preserve the noble idea of America by rewriting law, but by altering the culture, pushing the people themselves to act on their better natures. So, 160 years after that toxic election, here's another one. And there's no Lincoln in sight. That means we the people have to do the healing ourselves, based on our shared values of fairness, justice, and opportunity for all. Hightower's commentaries are brought to you by the Hightower Lowdown, the monthly newsletter with Hightower's take on what Wall Street and Washington are up to. For information, visit HightowerLowdown.org. In Father Teresa's wine cellar, we believe all oppression is intersectional. And this means our analysis of current events frequently includes discussion of difficult and explicit content. Any combination of the following topics could be included in our show. Murder, rape, war, climate change, racism, sexism, violence, sexual violence, homophobic violence, heterocentrism, discrimination and abuse against individuals of nonconformist sexuality, domestic violence, child abuse, child rape, child neglect, elderly abuse, verbal abuse, police brutality, microaggression, ableism, cyberbullying, genital mutilation, ideological extremism, and people just being total fucking assholes. Good morning and happy Friday. This is Charming with your Big Gay News for Friday, November 13th, 2020. First up, GCN is reporting overrepresentations in the foster care system. More than one-third of children in the New York City foster care system identify as LGBTQ+. 24% of New York City's overall youth population identify as queer. In other Big Gay News, a trans veteran has been added to Joe Biden's transition team. Sean Skelly was nominated to a team that will evaluate the Department of Defense. President Donald Trump banned transgender people from serving in the military. Finally, in big gay news, the BBC is reporting a human rights blunder in Hungary. Hungary's government has proposed a same-sex adoption ban. Same-sex marriage is already illegal in Hungary. And that's it for big gay news. See you next week. Take care of yourselves and stay healthy. Father Teresa's wine cellar is rated R for keeping it real. It's Thursday, November 12, 2020. One of the many uh, merits of the excellent conversation I had yesterday with uh, President-elect Joe Biden uh, was that we were strongly agreed on the need to work together in the fight against uh, climate change. President-elect Joe Biden begins rebuilding U.S. climate policy at home and abroad. Federal Reserve warns climate change threatens to destabilize the financial system. Renewable energy industry defies COVID, yet set for record growth. Plus, 
Trump White House racing the red light to roll back environmental standards and wreck federal science on the way out the door. That assumes they're going out the door. All of those stories and more straight ahead from Bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment. For all those of you who voted for President Trump, I understand the disappointment tonight. I've lost a couple times myself. Wait a second. Why isn't he talking about shower pressure and how windmills give you cancer? That's so unpresidential. Yes, this is your Green News Report. Okay, Desi Doyen, did we ever figure out how many letters into the Greek alphabet we are now uh, with hurricane or tropical storm or whatever called Eta? Yes, that is seventh in the Greek alphabet. So if it hits Florida twice, does that also make it the eighth letter at the same time? <laughs> no, no, it does not. But Tropical Storm Ada is hitting Florida a second time, even as the state is still struggling with heavy flooding from its first round of torrential rains just a few days ago. The National Hurricane Center says a record 30th named storm is likely to form in coming days. And yes, climate scientists warn that man-made global warming is changing hurricanes, with very warm ocean temperatures contributing to this year's record hyper active hurricane season. So Eta is the seventh letter. Theta, is that still out and about, that storm? Yes. And then there's a, a ninth one brewing as well? Yes. Oh, boy. That would be Iota, pronounced Yoda. Well, you don't have to show off. In other news, the Trump administration is racing the red light, accelerating efforts to deregulate in its waning days with a flood of last-minute energy rollbacks, permitting decisions, and new rules to allow more toxic water pollution from power plants, weaken appliance energy efficiency standards, and scale back mine safety oversight. Of course they are. The Trump White House also fired the agency head that oversees regulation of electricity and natural gas and removed the scientist in charge of the National Climate Assessment, the authoritative government-wide report on climate change, and they're going to install a climate science denier in his place. How much damage can he do in about 70 days? A lot, if they can't get rid of him. Why couldn't they get rid of him? Because Trump has moved to change civil service rules so that his moles will be harder to remove. Mm, we'll see about that. The Washington Post reports that the incoming Biden administration planned an all-of-government approach to incorporate climate action into domestic, economic, and foreign policy, using executive branch authority to restructure parts of the federal government to move faster on global warming in every federal agency and department, even ones not typically associated with the environment, like the Treasury Department through Trade policy and the agriculture department paying farmers to store carbon in their soils. Structural changes that don't require congressional action. That's very cool. Biden also began rebuilding relationships with U.S. allies this week and talking climate in calls with foreign heads of state. U.K. Prime Minister Boris Johnson sounded downright elated about renewed U.S. leadership on climate change in advance of next year's COP26 U.N. Climate Summit. The incoming Biden-Harris administration uh, is able to make common cause with us. In particular, uh, it was extremely exciting to talk to uh, President-elect Biden about uh, what he wants to do with the COP26 uh, summit uh, next year, Mr. Speaker, in which, as you know, the UK is leading the world in driving down carbon emissions and tackling climate change. That is great. And by the way, Boris Johnson also called Donald Trump the previous president in one of his remarks. 
Even the U.S. Central Bank, the Federal Reserve, has finally formally acknowledged that failure to act swiftly on climate change threatens to destabilize the global financial system with changes in asset values. And while the oil industry is struggling because of the coronavirus pandemic crushing demand for oil, renewable energy is defying COVID. That's according to the notoriously cautious International Energy Agency in its annual report this week, announcing that renewable energy hit record growth in 2020. And the IEA projects that by 2025, renewables will become the largest source of electricity generation in the world, ending coal's five decades as the top power source. The IEA projects that by 2025, renewables will supply one-third of the world's electricity, a remarkably rapid shift that also will substantially reduce air pollution. I told you months and months ago, maybe even years ago, sell your oil and coal stocks, buy (laughs) renewable energy. Just saying. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find, follow, and share us planet-wide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. And this has been your Green News Report. Oh, testing. Can you hear me now? How's my sound? Yes. No, yeah, I can hear you. Um. Yeah, 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 there were there were 17 minutes of loose clips. I uh, I cut the news clips early if you want to um, yeah, uh, hop in and pop in. All right, I think so. We're good. Yeah, Eric's volume is really low, but. Oh wait, it is. Let me take a. I'm gonna take a look here on my end. I'm okay. I'm looking at the wave file. All right, Eric, you say any words, and I'll look at your wave file right now. Damn, this is frustrating. I'm gonna get high cholesterol from this motherfucker. Is it working now? They're they're moderate to low. All right. Well, Can you turn your volume up at all, Eric, on your end? Hold on. That sounds better. Um, oh yeah, that's real thick. The uh, the um you just did is very thick. All right, well I try to I try to be thicker. Let's yeah. see. Nah, it, it, it's it's there now. Okay. Yeah, I'm I'm looking at the um the 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 wave. The waves. Yeah, yeah, the wave file. And if, and some folks might be like, "What the hell, wave file? What are you talking about?" Um, here. Before I go ahead and, and toss the whole thing over, I don't even have myself on video, but you're just seeing an image of me in work clothes when I was cleaning a dust collector, and yeah. I thought it would be funny to put on three pairs of goggles and take a picture. But the um, <clears throat> the wave file, folks might remember, in 2012, the uh, the Democrat Party, <laughs> they um they were having their little platform um, shindig. And they asked the crowd, they were like, uh, it was about having like Jesus in the platform, some tacky shit to appease the Republicans, as they do. And they had them vote by voice. And everyone in the crowd by voice voted to not have Jesus in the platform. And if you look at the wave file, that vote won, but they went ahead and put it in there anyway. And so that's an example of a wave file. All right. And so well, now talk. I'm, I'm glad they put white Jesus in there. We got to have white Jesus. Hmm. Where would we be without white Jesus? All right. And I, I think you two I, thought, I thought I heard Billy the bootlicker was coming on. Is that true? I know it's Billy. Oh, fuck. Yeah, I did do that character. Yeah, for 58 consecutive minutes, I did that character. 
Um, and uh, Phoenix was not pleased with that shit. <laughs> it's it, it, it's hard to interact with, and it's hard to do. It's hard to be deliberately full of shit. Like, to literally say something that you know isn't true, mm-hmm. which, and it makes me, like, trying to do that character, I'm not some psychologist. I'm not even educated at all. But it makes me think that the people who are doing it are even worse than I thought. Because they can do it with a straight face. There was one point where Phoenix and I laughed for like 60 seconds, which is not good radio. But we couldn't, because I think um, the topic of war came up. And in character, I was like, what? You don't know how to make money off a war? And we laughed until tears were in our eyes. But then if you turn around and you look at these folks on CNN and MSNBC and Fox, they just say it. They'll just be that evil and that dishonest, and they're fine with it. That reminds me. I'm pretty sure I need to be Rachel Maddow for Halloween next year. That's what it's going to be. Hmm. So you got to get one of those, uh, they call it the blazer. That That's what I got for my bootlicker costume. Yeah. Well, you see, I mean, it goes to show bootlickers, they must work pretty hard, William. You know, they're hardworking Americans. You think they're just, you know, that's some hard work you did there. You know, what it's like, huh? Rachel Maddow has said that um, it was an interview with some uh, some talk show, right? Like the kind that has a big crowd and whatnot that cheers on command. And mm-hmm. um, and she said that for show prep, she reads like several whole newspapers front to back, which I can believe that. Like I don't read physical newspapers as much anymore, but you know I could read easily thirty articles in show prep, and um, and still only produce an hour of content out of it. But it's like, I know what kind of shit is in, you know, hard print newspapers. Those are some gumshoe-ass journalists. And if you're reading their shit and still spilling corporate dribble, you're a fucked-up sociopath. Absolutely. Yeah. She reads it and figures out how to counter it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So this is Talk Fury. This is um, Eric Hudson, Chelsea Springler. Uh, you two are on it. The uh, Facebook Live is already going. The Blog Talk Radio is already going and shared. And the uh, call-in number, barely anyone ever calls into this show, but, um, you know, I have, the number is up there. It's literally in the title. So, folks, get, confusion is not an option. Right. All right. What's happening? So, yeah. So, let's see. You got Eric Eden over here. Getting ready, prepping for this show. Okay. Um, so how Ripped do you? Know, hmm. So what's what's going on this week? Besides, uh, you know, I'm seeing a lot of videos of Washington D.C. from some activists. What's going on in D.C.? Apparently, there was hundreds of thousands of uh, of Trump supporters who came down to uh, you know protect democracy, all that. Uh, uh, in accordance to their election uh, issues, so uh, that's the thing. Has anybody heard about that? Because it hasn't. I haven't seen it on much news. But you know, maybe I'm maybe I'm missing these uh, unbiased news channels that are covering all sides of things here. But I've I've only seen it through a few live streams. Is it? I think they're really, really uh, because of the amount of people out there. They're really, really like what their corporate media has been doing. 
um, for the last three and a half years, manipulation and deception and mass consent, um, manufacturing mass consent, they're really um, trying to downplay the really uh, alarming numbers of um, Trump supporters out there um, that feel that this election is disingenuous and are really questioning the results of this election that was supposed to be a landslide, a blue landslide for Biden, and it clearly isn't, and um, that it's been really, um, you know, a devastating loss for the Democrats, except for Biden, who manages to pull it off at the the 11th hour, and not even by, like, not even, like, by 1%, but, like, 0.49, 0.29. So, you know, there's there's Yeah, and I feel like we should preface some of this with um, a bit of background on where we're coming from on this election issue, because there's just so much, there's so much misinformation, and there's so much, again, I think, you know, um, manufactured consent is a, is a great point you bring up, Eric, in terms of how the media has skewed this, um, even suggesting that there might be a point to the fraud in the election. Uh, points to people's fears that, you know, you're automatically a Trump supporter or something like that, um, which I really resent. But um, but I feel like we have to say that because people can't wrap their mind around the fact that if there is potential fraud, that it's not about supporting Trump necessarily. It's about understanding what the issues of what's happening here is, you know, because people really have forced it into people's mind that it's Biden or you know, or full out dictatorship, or it's, um, you know, Biden or the end of America, and all these things I, you know, ultimately I don't believe in. Um, but, you know, the point being that, you know, Democrats have been also fixing elections. We know that they tampered with the primaries in 2016 um, in California and Illinois. They, throughout the coronavirus, used as a huge excuse for voter suppression and twisting um, in states this year in the primaries. So, you know, I really don't put it past somebody like Biden to commit voter fraud. And, you know, not only that, but the, the issue that is happens to be against Trump gives people a big excuse to ignore that. And, you know, I think we should say, like, like what happens, like, what's the deal with that? Is it, do you think that a huge population in the United States uh, towing the Democratic Party line here that it's whatever it takes. Uh, you know, it, it's ironic that they're so against, uh, you know, any means possible type politics. Like I believe in the way Malcolm X would say, liberation by any means possible. They're so against that, but they're basically will take an election by any means possible and think that that's okay and will defend that. And I, I find that really um, ironic. So I guess what I would say is, if so, so you see the media also, which is overwhelmingly corporate media owned by the same handful billionaires. They overwhelm, they do overwhelmingly support Biden. So everybody says that you know Trump goes after the media and how dangerous this is. I'm like, well, you know what? These aren't independent journalists. These are huge media moguls that like 
Biden actually has much more of a supports much more than Trump, who has his own little corner of his native corporatism himself. But Biden is an international corporatist, and that is much more advantageous for these media groups. They do overwhelmingly support Biden, and we need to be real about that. Biden is not some underdog here. He really is not. So that said, the fact that the media with a sitting president manages to, to, every story I see is like alleged, Trump's alleged fraud that is not founded. They cut they cut off the press secretary at a press meeting about Trump's fraud issues. And so my thing is, is like, if you wanted this to go away and prove that Trump had nothing to stand on, you would cover it and show it and be like, wow, well, we showed all the footage of all the, what we showed their evidence. It looks like they, we actually went through the evidence. We didn't just say evidence, censor it and put it in quotes and then not show it. Like they're they're aiding people on by by taunting a a sitting president saying that they have no no reason to bring up fraud. Like every president, most presidents do this. I mean, during the Obama years, it wasn't as contested as much because Obama had a very he did have a very high popular vote amount. But before that, with you know, let's we could look at 2000 with um, Bush and Gore, like so. Bush, you know, Bush uh, chief in Florida because his brother, governor of Florida. And then that got dragged through for another like two months or so, like at least like six weeks to the courts. And the media was on it. They were on whatever George Bush and Gore were saying, like they, they were on it. So, I mean, the fact that the media thinks that they can like censor their way out of a election issue when like neither side is really has any sort of integrity here. Like, I mean, that's not. So, okay. But I think, I think what we have to do is, I mean, you know, I think the Democrats and this is again, something that, you know, I don't think it's about necessarily neither side here. I mean, I think the Democrats, um, you know, they tested out voter fraud against Howard Dean. And not voter fraud, but they tested out mass manipulation and mass consent with Howard Dean. And if you remember, Howard Dean, who was running for the president, was like the Bernie Sanders. And he did, he was surrounded by 5,000 college students who were really amped up about his populism and refers to canceling student loans. He also called for universal health care before, before Bernie Sanders. Is this 2004? And, yeah, I mean, I'm not sure. You just Google Bernie, I mean, Biden. Um, but it was, you know, it was, it was not Biden. It was, it was um, Howard Dean when Howard Dean ran for president. And what happened was it was the, the famous scream now, that famous scream, the Democrats took it, made it in a loop, and you just hear what seems like a wild, crazy white guy screaming. But if you look at the, the, the caption, if you look at what it was, was he was in an auditorium with thousands, hundreds of thousands of college students who were psyched about him. They were roaring. He was roaring. And that terrified the Democratic Party. So let's really be clear here that the Democratic Party has been engaging this subterfuge for a long time now. And the fact that WikiLeaks leaked all of this stuff, and this was when Bernie Sanders originally ran, leaked all this stuff, and it wasn't a huge issue. 
again, it was the same sort of stuff that we see with with um, when they leaked all that stuff, when that stuff about um, about Hunter Biden. They never questioned if it were factual or not. They questioned the fact that it was leaked. And that's why it was bad, not because it was right or wrong, but how dare they leak this information. And then that began the whole Russian subterfuge, the whole red baiting. Because then anyone who shared this information, who talked about this information, were Russians. So this is the foundation of also what we see now where we can't even talk about Biden we have to start with this preamble that, well, we're not Trump supporters. So, again, this is the liberal establishment that has learned how to cower and intimidate and red bait people when they got into bed with McCarthy. And this was when the unions all of a sudden that then began red baiting, too, and getting rid of the communists. So this is this is this is what. Chomsky and, and, and Chris Hedges talks about, about the if you continue to promote the lesser of two evils, then you have the whole greater evil. And this is the whole greater evil. Now, the Democrats, of course, as you see, the anemic left, we don't protest anything. We do as we're told, and we cower because we don't want to be you know called Russians. The Trump supporters, they're not like us. They are angry. They're upset. Many of these people are places from folks like Anderson, Indiana, that have been totally destroyed by NAFTA and Pennsylvania, totally destroyed by NAFTA, driven and crazy, driven insane. Many of them, but they they don't take the the they don't take the the um, they don't take the repression and the silencing that those of us on the left do. And this this is where we are. Yeah, I think that's a great point, Eric, about how they really neutered people's ability to um, to dissent on this issue, too. Like, the fact that we have to preface that, okay, we're not Trump supporters, we should think, like, there might be something going on. It doesn't make me feel better if there's a chance that Joe Biden did, like, commit fraud that they told, has total power to do, that we can't question that at all because Trump, like, that, that does not make me feel better about anything at all. And I think that is the whole lesser of two evils being the greater evil thing. And, and again, this was, they were telling us up until the election, all of these polls that Biden was going to destroy Trump in Michigan, Biden was going to destroy Trump in Pennsylvania, in Florida. And they in even. The states, in the states where he, and these are states where he had huge turnarounds where everybody expected these states to go for Clinton when they when a lot of them didn't in the last election. And they judged that based on it being overwhelmingly like counties that went for Obama, like at very high rates that they expected to go for Hillary, flipped for Trump in the 2016 election and surprised everyone. But then all of a sudden Biden gets it. Well, it's bigger than that. What they, said, what they said was, according to all of these polls, that Biden was up by 10 and 15 percent. Where did that lead? What? Why? Do they, and they don't have to explain it. And that's the problem is they don't have to explain anything. 
wonder why people are upset and don't believe. And we should be more suspect. But, you know, we're zombies. You know, we're, we're zombies on the Democratic plantation, and we do as we told. And it's the Trump supporters that are saying no, but we are just, well, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, we love Kamala and, and man, ain't she, ain't she Ruby Davis and just, you know, marching forward to the White House and we ain't going to let these racists hold her down. I mean, we, we totally will take any sort of narrative that they give us, any sort of misinformation, any sort of propaganda, and we believe it like white Jesus, like, you know, like, like we believe in white Jesus. Yeah, I've been, um, you know, on another note, I've been blessed with taking a statistics class here my first semester in my doctoral program. And one of the things out of that uh, hardcore uh, training I'm getting in statistics is uh, looking at some of the election polls. Um, my teacher would be really proud of me. Wow. Um, well, we looked at election polls, and you can see, actually, that... Um, in states like Wisconsin, the projections were way off. So, you know, back during the Obama years, 2008 was the first time that statistical polling before pre-election polling um, with all of these, you know, computer-generated, you know, models and programs to students' predictions was really successful and um, proved right in the 2008 election. So since then, um, tech companies, which are largely, you know, liberal, democratic, uh, skewed in terms of who they, you know, who the companies, you know, serve and who they, um, who they, I shouldn't say serve, I guess, who the politicians serve in terms of uh, the super PACs that, um, I guess the super PACs that, um, that make up these, uh, the paid politicians, um, these tech companies, they've been using that ever since to, again, do manufactured consent. So they said that Trump would win like 42, 43% of the vote in Wisconsin to make it look really small that he wouldn't have a chance of winning it. But he got like close to 50% in the popular vote, at least, in just the base account. So that was actually like, it wasn't like a minor mistake. They, they did a faulty model and they knew it in order to put last all of the news that Trump will only get 43% in this state. But it looks objective according to their, whatever modeling they did to get samples, but they skewed the sampling. They took samples way overwhelmingly and they knew it from um, Democratic supporters in order to make this seem and blast all over the media that someone is less popular than they are to try to make it a self-fulfilling prophecy and it didn't even work. Well, remember AP, remember they kept saying that AP, the Democratic Party said AP is the standard. And yes. then AP, they declared that 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 uh, Bernie had won Nevada at 8 o'clock, 8 p.m. Yet it took them two days. Then all of a sudden Trump's ahead. And then two days later, Biden's by the skin of his, his dentures, I mean, sorry, his teeth, um, he wins it. I mean, this stuff is, it's, it's, and, and, and we're not saying anything about it. And no one, where's Rachel Mancow? I mean, Maddow, where is she? Why isn't she up it? I mean, you should say Rachel Maddow. What? I didn't say it. Okay. I don't know. Huh? Well, this is going to stick. Like it or not. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, you know, what, I mean, my point is, well, I'm, I'm not against Trump. I mean, I'm, I'm not a Trump supporter, you know, got to say that. But the reality is I'm glad somebody, 
somebody is 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 saying something about it. And um, you know, we call these folks crazy, but again, you know, these are people that were totally destroyed by NAFTA, and I understand their anger. It's just not racism. This is these folks have been e- economically destitute, and unlike us, unlike us, they are angry, and we should be angry too. Yeah, so we'll see what happens, huh? I um, yeah, I don't think this is going to be over or smooth, and um, I think liberals are in for a big shock. And no one is still addressing the fact that whole swaths of the country, they looked at it as 64% of Americans are hurting because of the lack of stimulus, hurting uh, for, for uh, that their, their unemployment benefits that were already meagerly, already meagerly to begin with, are all gone. And again, and I know it's been, yeah, you know, I said, you know, I know I've said this before, but, you know, with Trump, the difference with between like Trump and somebody like Bernie in terms of populace is these white patriots who have been, you know, screwed over in rural America and all this. They, they have a candidate that supports them and puts them first and believes in them the way that they think that they are entitled to be put first. We had a candidate like Bernie and we let him be screwed over two elections in a row and we sat here and let it happen. I mean, the left could have their own Donald Trump who fights for them, but we don't want, but we don't fight to have people fight for Biden that was utterly, not only utterly destroyed, but he participated in his own destruction. Yeah. The Democrats said, hey, the Russians are interfering on your campaign. And Biden says, yes. I mean, Trump says, yes, I know. He actually agreed with it. I mean, the guy was like, I mean, he, you, you know, Bernie said that. Bernie said that. Yes, I'm sorry. Bernie Sanders, the, the Democrat, said we, we've got classified information that are demonstrating Russian interference in your campaign. And, and I know I'm a Russian. Okay, I'm one of the ones in the fear. But, um, but that was the thing is that he – and then he actually said this on national TV. Yes, we understand that there are Russians interfering in my campaign. Why would you say that? I mean, this guy is the Vichy regime of the French, you know, the collaborators. I mean, this guy, this guy, I mean, it, it, it's absolutely insane what, and now he has the nerve to think that Biden, that Jim Crow Joe Biden, I mean, Biden, President-elect Biden is going to uh, appoint him labor secretary. This is, you know, he thinks he's going to get something out of this. It's insane. And that's what, like, I... Now we have nothing to leverage against Biden. We have nothing because we let Biden be put up as this hero to save people from Trump, and we didn't fight it. We don't have anything to leverage. We just let this happen, and we say, yes, you know what? This is less of evil. So we have to put everything aside and get Biden in. And now, and now we have nothing. I mean, I'll fight. I'll organize. But I mean, in general, the kind of liberal left that keeps towing this line doesn't have anything. The, the Bernie crowd don't really have much to. Uh, to leverage, and you know they got AOC. Okay. Are we? You sure we wait? So we're not pushing to the left. Yeah, holding holding feet to the fire. Um, right. Uh, yeah. So you know another thing um, we got. So apparently right wingers are uh, well Trump supporters at least are um, fleeing to what's the name of this new social media site? Parlor. Parlay, what is this? 
Yeah. You know, young folks know that. I don't know what that. Parlor. Like it's it's like Facebook. Yes, it's called Parlor. Parlor. Yeah, I haven't looked at it yet, but I'm curious. I want to see what's going on over there. So you know, everyone's making fun of it. <laughs> Um, for people leaving and going to this other website. But I'm kind of like, why didn't leftists get themselves together and go to a different social media site? Because I, I don't think Facebook's really working out for leftists either. They've gone after, uh, you know, Zuckerberg has gone after left-wing pages and censored left-wing people and, you know, and, you know, black activists, for instance, like notoriously more than right-wingers. But right-wingers finally got upset. We're like, we're leaving for someplace that's not going to censor us. So, like, I mean, like, where's the leftist, you know? And a couple people went to MeWe, that website, and didn't, you know. But the thing is, if people don't go in mass, it's going to be useless. But they they got themselves up and they left. They're having a little party over there. Well, you, you had been talking about this a long time ago, Chelsea. I believe two years about the need for this. And But, again, this just shows you how moribund, how that – the democratic resistance is now, I mean, the resistance that we used to have is now been taken over by, by, by the DNC. I mean, the reality is, is that the Demo- I mean, it was, it was deep that Black Lives Matter was before the, like, right, the morning of the election, they were, the morning of the election, they were out protesting the White House. They were out protesting Trump. Not protesting the system, but they were clearly supporting Biden. And that's the thing. We don't have a resistance anymore. What we have is boutique activism funded by corporate America, which is Black Lives Matter. Chase Bank, Bank of America, fund, uh, Goldman Sachs, all fund Black Lives Matter, funded by Black America. Excuse me. Protesting the Democrats. Pro- I mean, pro- supporting the Supporting folks like Joe, Jim Crow Joe Biden, I mean, sorry, President-elect Biden, um, not Jim Crow Joe, I'm sorry, um, uh, supporting Kamala, mass incarceration, um, and, and not talking about the system. And this is, this is what we have now. So we don't have a movement anymore. The Democrats have destroyed what used to be a vibrant left anti-war movement. That's all gone now. And so, and, and now, but the right wing, the, 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 the Trump supporters, they are forming a movement. You know, we, we are, we are, we're in trouble. All right. You have a, um, wait, okay. Yeah. I had the microphone muted. It's back on. Um, all right. You have a comment on the uh, Facebook live and I don't remember exactly when we started this, but finally I have feedback on talk fury as well. Uh, this is Aaron Robertson and Aaron Robertson left a comment saying, uh, did we let this happen, though? There really aren't many intelligent people um, uh, put like yourselves. The state I live in is 90, 90% of the people are politically illiterate and couldn't even tell you the branches of government. And they put a peace sign and said, favorite weekend podcast, by the way. So finally, <laughs> some feedback on Talk Fury. So this is someone's favorite weekend program, and that is their comment if you'd like to respond to it. Yeah, thank you, Aaron. Um, I think that's a great point. I think we do set ourselves up for this to an extent when we um, we have disengaged people from public politics to such an extent. Um, the United States might have been always pretty elitist and you know, we, we put up this, you know, this facade that we're populist and for the people and have all this freedom, but it's really just individualism, which is um, 
has always been pretty uh, racist and classist and such. So um, when, you know, when people can't in their, get in their community and discuss politics, um, that breaks down people's connections as to understanding what's going on. And they depend on the media even worse now at this age um, to tell them what's happening and what's, what, what is happening in their world and what their opinions should be, you know, manufactured consent and dissent again. Um, I think right-wingers um, or people move in rural or sub- some suburban areas might have a better chance of, do, of just having um, a political understanding of who they are. And that might, that might have to do with Trump's people too, to some extent along with all the other layers of patriotism, you know, economic loss, racism, I mean, a whole mix of things, but um, they know their neighbors. <laughs> they they go out and they talk to each other about what's, what's happening. They see political signs on their block and they have discussions between the people on their block, what's happening and where they all stand, who they're against, things like that. You live in a city and people assume, you know, that because there's so many people that people interact more and it's just no they don't the overwhelming amount of difference in cities that you know people don't know their neighbors they don't discuss they don't know in their building what what is going on on their block when something happens when you know anything happens when something good happens when a crime happens they don't discuss they don't they don't have a way of understanding their world together for the people who are living it in their local area so they don't discuss politics they don't have an understanding what they need what their neighbors need you know um, I'm sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm just saying, so I'm, I'm just giving an example of the breakdown of lack of public politics and then pair that with media telling them what's going on. Yeah, there is no, they don't, they, you know, they don't have to know the branches of government, you know. Again, they bring up Rachel, Rachel Maddow. Rachel Maddow would tell them what to think about the election. That's well, all they you know, it's not a thing of, of even knowing the branches of government. I mean, I think in a way that's a, that's, not knowing the branches of government is not a bad thing. I mean, the reality is it's all owned by corporations. And I think that is why people, I think too often we blame folks like that. But the reality is, is that what's the point of knowing, what does it mean to know the branches of government in this, in this book that we had to read in eighth grade and this, these civics, when every branch of government is owned by corporations? And I think poor people intrinsically understand what the white liberal establishment keeps as propaganda that this system works, that the democracy works. When you are working 13 hours a day at Walmart and you know that your great, your parents have worked, they they work in the next aisle over, you know this system doesn't work. You know whatever they taught you in eighth grade to graduate, it's a lie because it's in your community. Again, we are the only folks that ignore ignore the plight of our own communities. We're the only people that walk over the homeless in the liberal elite blue cities. They know this stuff is. They know that it's a mirage, and I don't think we need. To, we can't condemn them. We need to condemn again. You got Oprah out there. You know she'll give you a car, a pink car, if you do something. Or and you got Whippy Goldberg or Gold, whatever her name is, who's become a credible journalist, who's been interviewing Biden. Again, this is the liberal. We need to start talking about these liberal elites. 
you know, how is it that Trump became president when he had a TV show? All these Americans were watching his show where he fired other people, and they got off on that. I mean, what type of culture is this, and who's promulgating it? And it's these corporations that are backing Biden. So it's not a thing, and I appreciate the sister who who commented, but I think we need to, and so many other, you got folks like, you, you know, our man William J. Jackson. You know, the dude works in the factory. Chelsea, you worked at a a a a a, um, a, a low rent auto. I mean, a low rent furniture place before you got into a graduate school. I mean, the real radicals are banished from. They're banished because they don't want to hear us. And what they do is they want real bootlickers. Yes, like Rachel Maddow. And who's that Negro who cried because what was it? He said that. Um, Something happening to oh the the black man who cried on on t on 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 CNN one of those bootlickers for I forgot what it was but there's all these these people they get the the Uncle Toms and the Aunt Jamamas to be the left to be these figures while they banish folks us the truth tellers they banish us to the margin oh the the black man who cried. Yeah, um, I think it's a great point, Eric. There is an elitism um, to some people who claim that, you know, just learning, you know, our civics or something is going to fix everything. Um, it's true that that's not the problem. Um, our government doesn't make sense in a lot of ways. And I mean, or something like understanding the Electoral College. Well, the Electoral College makes no sense. And that was to keep, you know, white slave owning, you know, founding fathers in power. And not let anybody else, you know, have a chance at having an actual democracy. So, you know, I don't think, you know, that's a great point. Um, but who was that black dude? He call, he said some. Okay, you guys remember that? I know I'm bad on stuff like that. I'm getting old now. Yeah, uh, Erica. The, um, it's uh, it was Van Jones on yeah. CNN, and we we covered it. And I wasn't going to cover it, but because big stories, I tend to not cover. Right, because right. that means everyone's on it, and all opinions are on it. And I'm not some deep thinker. Mostly, most likely, if I thought of something, ten other people did t- ten days before me. But no one was covering this part. Van Jones got his gorgeous ass up there on that camera and compared being choked to death by a cop to reading Trump's tweets. Yeah, those were the same thing. And it was the brother who was choked to death just recently. He actually said he felt like the black was the the black man who was just choked. He said he felt like that by reading Trump's tweets. Why isn't that? Why is he allowed to get away with that? Because he is a bootlicker for the white liberal establishment. I mean, it's 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 amazing the types of levels of propaganda that these folks, that he reads Trump's tweets and he gets to cry and compare himself to a black man who was choked to death by, and that was the brother in Minneapolis, my bad, choked to death by a a racist white cop. And where's the Black Lives Matter on this? Why are they not checking this guy? Because he is a paid, paid propagandist, a paid of the Democratic Party so he gets to say all this. 
Yeah, and he, in in one comment like that, he managed to co-opt and take the the dissent happening around those issues and police brutality and put it into a line that suits the Democratic Party so perfectly. Well, I'm just thinking about the woman who took the hair, the Pamela Harris picture and juxtaposed it with Rudy Davis mm-hmm. and made it seem Pamela Harris was this, this young black child who was turned away from the public school doors, who was, who was uh, you know, who they blocked her from entering the school. And now wearing like a Nancy Pelosi designer uh, suit, she is marching to the White House. Wow. Again, these people, whether it be Eric Gardner pimping him to, 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 to promote Biden or Ruby Davis. Ruby uh, Ridges. Her, Ruby Ridges pimping her. And it was funny because the woman who really did that was a white woman. I'm blanking on her name. Um, we need to say her name. But a white woman from Emer- uh, the elite Emerson, um, I think it was Brandeis or um, one of those very elite um, schools who did this, who took, uh, who took, um, who took this sister who uh, fought for, who, 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 what was she, 13? Facing white supremacists with, with bottles and sticks, carried by the U.S., uh, carried by the, the, the guard to go and be a student in an all-white school. And then this woman becomes a young Pamela Harris, is juxtaposed as Pamela Harris by a white woman. I mean, it's crazy. And again, she is now making all this money, and it turns out that it was a black man who who said it, who said it, and she actually made the 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 the, um, the picture of it, and now she well she's already she was already uber rich, but these are not stories, and you have the New York Times and the L.A. Times celebrating this woman, and this is the type of exploitation that happens from black culture, from our heroes, like Harriet Tugman, put her on a $20 bill. So what do we do? Because, you know, I don't think Biden would have had a chance of getting through if it wasn't for the way the media is able to speak. Of course. What do we do? The media is that powerful. People are that glued to their TV. Well, I think we... First of all, we have to invest in TV shows like this. This is like Radio Rebel Radio that um, Che Guevara started in the, the Sierra Mountains, in in the in the mountains uh, of Cuba, uh, uh, well, as, as they were trying to overthrow Batista, while Fidel and his brother Raúl were being gunned in the in the in the tobacco in the in the sugarcane fields. They were hiding on their backs as as the as the the American government with Batista sent dogs to find them and they were planes rolling over shooting them. This is this this is what this 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 station is. It's the voice of Muhammad Ali saying ain't no Viet Cong ever sent called me no nigger. So we gotta support things like this. And we gotta start using our social media. There's so many black folks I know who are radicals and rebellions and white sisters and brothers too. And they act like that they are referees. They're playing Trump, you know, quotes about how messed up Trump is, quotes about how messed up Biden is. You've got to, 
You can't, you're not a referee. We're not a referee. We can't appease these white, we can't appease the, the white liberal establishment and the plutocrats by being objective. We've got to tell, being objective in terms of being refereed. We don't have power to be refereed. We've got to start educating the next generations and educating ourselves on a radical culture. That's what we've got to be focused on, building a radical culture of revolution and dissent. Part of that is mutual aid, feeding our own people in our communities like the Black Panthers. But it also means knowing who Marcus Garvey was, knowing who Asada Shakur is, knowing who that Harriet Tugman wasn't a bootlegger. Harriet Tugman had a gun to take out people that were trying to, to destroy the revolution. It's the, the struggle of revolution. We have to get back to the old heads, the ancestors who taught us how to resist across the globe, whether it be Ho Chi Minh or, or, or Marcus Garvey or Toussaint Louverture, these folks who taught us how to resist. This is inc- that we got to bring the culture back of resistance as well as taking care of our own when the government fails us like it's failing us now. Yeah, and you know, I think the strength of social media is a way to get around that. And you know, I I remember how strong social media influenced something like the like um not Black Lives Matter per se, but you know, the hashtag of Black Lives Matter spread. Yeah, because of social media. Um, and the ability to get footage and, and of, you know, protests and things out there like that. Um, Occupy Wall Street was like that. Um, you know, it caught on like a, you know, like wildfire within a week across, you know, the country and the world because of social media being able to horizontally spread information and ideas instead of the mainstream media, um, which followed the Occupy movement a week after, you know, everything sprung up and the media was like, oh, these, you know, crusty protesters who don't have a job that are in, you know, Zuccotti Park and, you know, they, you know, annoying our good Wall Street executives, uh, you know, but because social media made it so popular, the news had to catch up with them, you know, um, and it is such a powerful tool, obviously, but you see, that's why there's such strong emphasis now on things like Facebook, on algorithms that are meant to crush dissent and are meant to, without people even knowing it, like, like making pages disappear is one way, but that catches too much attention. You know, if they can change algorithms based on what you say and make it so that your information doesn't go in your friend's feed because you mentioned certain trigger words that catch the algorithms on Facebook and no one sees your post hardly because they're going to favor what suits their political line. I mean, that's some powerful stuff. You can't even tell when they're, when they're cracking down and censoring people anymore because it's so seamlessly built into what we're using. So, you know, that's why I think, you know, Facebook in the end, if there's a revolution, Facebook is not just going to let it spread. It's, it's, you know, it's, they've learned too many lessons real fast from movements like Occupy, which I think Occupy was arguably the first movement to use social media like that. And I think that's important that you begin telling the story of Occupy just as William William is now telling the story of what it means to work in a factory in 2020. We got to be that's part of revolutionary struggle is sharing these stories. Um, 
Because the reality is, is what happened was that it was the liberal establishment that destroyed Occupy because it got too powerful. And they were, they were going after President Obama, calling him what he was, a corporatist, and call, saying that his, re, his rescuing the banks was nothing but the reverse New Deal. You can't, you can't bail out banks that have destroyed corp black people and de- stolen 45% of our wealth, and then you bail them out. No, and that was corporate America. That was that was Occupy Wall Street, which you know Chelsea was very much involved in. Um, but these stories have to be shared. I want to say just one thing: a personal peeve on Facebook. You know, my thing that I really hate is the the violence where they show black women, black teenage girls beating the tar out, beating each other. Um, halfway to death and it's always some men you know enjoying it laughing it you know laughing at it Um, we see these fight videos all the time and I routinely report them to Facebook Um, they they, there's a thing of explicit violence with children I I hash I put that out I write it you know that these are two black teenage women beating each other to death being egged on by men. They never I always get the sign, hey, this does not violate our our this does not violate our community standards. Thank you for reporting it. You can block the person. I do that all the time, report these things. And they never, never, never remove it. There was one I report I reported uh two months ago and it was clearly some teenage boys um, and I call it rape because it looked like well these these were teenage boys and it was a young black girl. I mean it was clear she was a teenager and she was performing all sex on these on these men. And and I reported it. I reported it. And it's still up. It doesn't it doesn't because they changed it now. Where they've even changed it where it's harder to like I think. You know, I mean, they changed the kind of coding where so much stuff doesn't fit into it. But, th- but my point is, is that they will allow black images of young black women being abused, and 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 I still probably have these posts. I mean, I'm, because they 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 show them to you when they say, "Well, this is not this is not a problem by our community standards." There was another one where this other one black woman was beating another black woman with a cell phone because the guy, the woman appointed was cheating or something on her man. The problem is, you know, we never beat the, the cheating men. We always, the women always beat each other instead of beating the cheating men who they should both beat together. But this woman, her face was all lumpy from being beaten with a cell phone. This was a, a video that went viral. I reported that too. Video is still up video is still up. And so what I'm saying is Facebook will keep all of this stuff up. We'll keep all of this stuff of black folks, you know, because of the insanity that we live in, destroying each other, the children. But yet they'll 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 ban us from Facebook. They'll ban, you know, they'll ban radicals, but they will allow this this abuse that they that that's okay now. I mean this stuff is a real problem. You're cutting out, Eric. I'm sorry. Yep. Anyway, I hope some of that was eligible. 
Yeah, the one thing I will say about um, Facebook, um, you know, algorithms and the way it goes is, you know, I don't think we can discount. It was a few years ago that it came out that Facebook was intentionally messing with people's algorithms, like intentionally trying to trigger people, intentionally trying to um, psychologically upset them, intentionally trying to make people angry and sad because they found out that it keeps people on the website longer, like to click on things. And so, like, you know, I don't think that we can dismiss the ultimate impact of that like they already know how to keep people on the site longer and that's to show people things that make them angry or upset or scared or hurt or nervous or anxious and so facebook has already decided like that's an acceptable sort of collateral damage um you know without any regard for consequences and this has been shown time and time again when it comes to um you know people who are at risk for like self-injury or suicide it's um you know pushing that people who are at risk for being um you know, radicalized into right-wing groups, right? They had a story about that where, you know, some guy, uh, it was a town in Germany, really thought that, um, you know, everyone in his town hated immigrants as much as he did, and he ended up attacking an immigrant, and basically it was because of his Facebook algorithms. It was nothing but, you know, right-wing fake news about, like, oh, the immigrants are raping our women and stealing our resources and, you know, that sort of thing. And, you know, I think that coupled with Facebook openly admitting that they're – testing these sort of algorithms on people without informed consent, I really think says everything you need to know about um, how fucking sketchy Facebook is, to be honest. uh, That's the thing. Like, it's not like it's never been contested. This has gone to Senate hearings, these multiple issues, and then election stuff after 2016. I believe there were multiple Senate hearings over how they skewed things for election stuff. Um, It goes to the Senate and Facebook gets fined. And that's the whole thing of white collar crime continuing over and over like this, they get, you know, find something that is nothing compared to the amount of money they make off of doing this. It means nothing. The fact that it went to the Senate and they got away with it, that makes it even worse. And we wonder why these young, these people don't believe in the branches of government. See, this is it because, you know, this is the thing. And I keep trying to say, we are fodder. We are part, especially black people, we are part of something called the misery economy. Our, our pain and suffering creates profit for corporate America. And the fact that I'm reporting like rape and abuse on a Facebook page and it's set up so I can be all stressed out by this, set up by, you know, the one black woman's pummeling the other black woman with a cell phone and then it's over the thing is called lumpy because her face is all lumped up. It's set up to 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 to, to drive us to crazy. Because when then then when we kill somebody or we do something or we you know we're dead, then there's profit in our suffering, profit in our pain, profit in our humiliation. And this is why again we gotta start thinking about why we are not protesting in DC. Why we leave, you know, we only we only protest when the when 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 the when corporate America tells us Soros says, all right, here's some money, go protest on behalf of the DNC Ford Foundation. Here's some money, protest on, you know, we gotta get rid of Trump, you know, or who else the next per- or stop bot uh, Bernie Sanders. You know, it, it's enough to, as Lou Palmer would say, it's enough to make a colored man think black. Yeah, and the funny thing is, like, somebody would say that the um, uh, mentioning that George Soros has a partisan bias, 
even though you still mentioned supporting Bernie Sanders, they would call that anti-Semitic. <laughs> of course. Yeah, well, they'll, they'll say anything. They'll say yeah. anything. You know, I didn't even know George Soros was, was, was Jewish, uh, was, was Greek. Now, you know, now, you know, I mean, he used because that he was the one who was uh, dating, uh, uh, who dated the Kennedy's uh, uh, widow. Um, anyway, but yeah, I mean, no, he, this is this is not a this is a man who, along with the foundation, along with Rockefeller, um, I mean, around uh, Ford Foundation supports the, 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 the white liberal elite. So it has nothing to do with his religion. It's who he supports. He supports Occupy. I mean, sorry, he didn't support Occupy. He supports yeah, Black Lives Matter. I, where's that money? I wanted that money. Was, he, uh, he was a shipping magnate. I missed that money. Yeah. No, that's all with Occupy. No. All y'all had was, um, who was supporting Occupy? Who was, who was the rapper? Um, Lucy Fiasco supported Occupy. Yeah, that was all y'all had was Lucy. Everybody else was uh, calling y'all dirty hippies and Take a bath, and that was NPR, you know, like yeah. And, and yeah, Joe and Rogan being outside the Democratic, uh, the Democratic, uh, what was it? It's whatever Obama's building was, the, the Democratic Party building in right. um, in downtown Chicago. Um, yeah, uh, someone, some, some executive working there, walking to the building, flipping us off and telling us to get jobs. We all had jobs then. Of course. But besides the point, yeah. we all had jobs that couldn't support us for pay bills. But um, anyway, um, yeah, you know, I um, maybe we could talk a bit about that before we go here. I, I don't know if people understand sometimes how that works. We say someone like Soros. I mean, it's not just Soros. Either. I mean, he's one very um, exemplar example of this as an individual. But in general, like how foundations and stuff work in terms of funding. Like when someone says, oh, Soros funds this or, you know, or the Coach Brothers fund, you know, whatever, maybe on the right wing side. Um like how this, they don't just litter, I mean, it's not like people just hand out money to like a few organizers, but like on a massive scale, like the organizations that run something, they're not grassroots organizations. It'll be something like, you know, the board members of some, you know, of some group that is funded by University of Chicago, for instance, they have, they, they know what their board wants and that's how they get funded. That's how they pay their bills and feed their kids you know, some top, you know, director of whatever organization at this nonprofit, and they say, oh, they know several times a year, they're going to go protest or something that suits the Democratic Party or their board members and kick, kick this to the curb. It can work as simple as that. But, you know, Eric, I know you, you've seen the ins and outs of this stuff. You're getting paid by the Coach brother to say all this, right? <laughs> I'm a Russian. No, I'm a, I'm a Russian. I'm, I'm oh, that's Russian. right. Is Putin, is Putin paying you? That's uh, right. You're getting paid red bucks. I know. <laughs> um, no, but the thing is, is that what you have now is that the Democrats, who are now the party of austerity in the blue, um, you know, shutting down benefits, um, privatizing, greatly privatizing um, benefits. Um, what they're doing now is then relying upon the Ford Foundation and MacArthur Foundation, um, Joyce Foundation, all of these major foundations 
to um, then step in and provide government services to the poor. Um, but what it does is it allows them to cut state workers, to cut federal workers. And then what they do is they employ nonprofits to run these services. Huge government services are now run by nonprofits. And then what these do is it's a patronage thing for the white liberal establishment. You know, the white liberals, you know, Chelsea comes out of a school and she goes and works at a, you know, a bootleg furniture corporation, a company, um, minimum wage. But, you know, you come out and you're daughter of the liberal elite and then you go to work for a nonprofit, you know, giving out, you know, um, link cards and, and providing link services and that sort of thing. And it's cushy jobs. It's a real cushy job. You don't have to do very much work and, and you get paid for it. So the, the, the nonprofits are now hiring the liberal elite um, to really, in a sense, run government programs to poor people. And that stops the poor people from being empowered. They just get, and it's not even charity, really. It's their tax dollars that instead of funding government programs are now being dispersed by these nonprofits. And these are the nonprofits that then give money to the Democratic Party. These are the same things with unions now. The unions no longer fight for people in the union. What they do is they take the, those folks' money and then they give it to the Democratic Party. And then what they do is instead of fighting for the workers' rights, they become labor negotiators. They negotiate with the management on how to keep the, the, these labor folk, these, these, uh, the workers, how to keep them working more effectively, how to keep them producing more profits. And this is what the unions do now instead of, you know, unions used to be revolutionary forces, the Wobblies and the ICL, all the, the major labor unions used to be before the 40s. They, they wanted to destroy capitalism. That was their major for, uh, point. Now they are labor negotiators. I'm sure uh, William Jackson, you, Brother Jackson, you know about this. Um, I'm sure that there's a union in your, probably in your factory. How are they behaving? So many factories don't have unions anymore, but how are they behaving? Are they protecting the workers? Oh, the, the seven-day work week is in the contract. They actually, <laughs> they, they agreed to the seven-day work week for us. So mm-hmm. uh, they, 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 they gave me so much liberty because... It, uh, like I'm free to work seven days every single week. I can just do that because the union gave me that kind of freedom. And uh, folks, again, like I said, um, yeah, in, in this comment section, I finally got to see some feedback on Talk Fury because this is not the kind of huge wine cellar. It's not that big. We don't get a lot of comments. So there, there was somebody that said this is their favorite shit to tune in on the weekend. So someone and then there might be other people that are silent and not commenting and it might be their favorite shit to tune into on the weekend so uh there are folks that are looking for the program and uh let me know like i intend on um before heading to work today i'm going to check itunes and i'm going to see if anyone left any new itunes reviews i haven't figured out how to find reviews on stitcher radio the podcast also goes there and i just have not figured out how to access the reviews And uh, so we have that. And I know some folks may be confused that were tuned in just a couple minutes ago. Yes, Chelsea Sprinkler did make a joke. Sometimes we're not ready for that. (laughs) It's always very very Cornell West mode. Like, very like, this is the fucking issue, people. God damn it. Like, it's very fucking serious. 
All right. So, um, and folks, give more feedback. Let know, like, what do, what do you want more of? Do you want more news clips on the front end, more straight discussion? Do you want us to promote the telephone number more? Do you want to call in? You know, and like, again, the wine cellar media is not rich, but um, there is some budget. We can do some things. Like, say you want to leave a voice comment. It's not, and but, you know, you can't leave it on the show. Maybe you work on Sunday and you can leave a comment on Wednesday. Then, you know, we could get one of those little Google, cheap little Google telephone numbers, and you can leave a comment there and we can play it on the program. You know, so, but you got to leave the feedback or I won't see it. You can tag William J. Jackson on the Facebook or go to Chelsea Springler, um, Chelsea Springler's public page. Chelsea Springler talks gangster shit loud in public. Eric Hudson does. Uh, go hit them up. Let them know what you want from the program. All right. And uh, or if you already dig it, you're like, just do what you've been doing. Or if you want them to do book club, these are nerds. They love reading. Look behind <laughs> Eric. He has books all over the place behind him. You see what's behind me? Comedy DVDs. All right. You know what the fuck you're getting. What about me. if we want to hear William Jackson freestyle again? I- Here's the irony. I have that loaded in the episode. What's going nice. to be the actual podcast that goes out is one of my rhymes. It's called Three Languages. And uh, so, yep, we, we do have that in this episode already. Yeah, because folks do dig that. All right. All right. So it is, uh, it's 1.02 p.m. I need to get down to the factory. It is very important. I think we're going to be working on Cheerios. And uh, so... You can thank capitalism for your fucking Cheerios. We're going to go make sure that that happens for the people today. Nice. <laughs> it's been a pleasure. been a pleasure. I feel mentally, spiritually uplifted. And again, is that talkfury.com or .org? I mean, Fury. Our website? Yeah. Uh, panwomanist.org. Oh, all boom. I'm all the way wrong. Panwomanist.org, folks panwomanist.org go there and see what the goings on is all right you guys post to there regularly is there like a blog a newsletter on there or something we've got updates with the organization we have um our journal that does our quarterly uh editions for stories you know feminist stories we've got um updates for events which you know pandemic don't really have any events going on but you can find out what's going on with the organization there all the links all right. we have the red rag food pantry which is ongoing 24 7 we are giving out food in the gentrified logan square community so so many more poor, poor folks because of the gentrification now on top of you know so we are we still run the pantry oh uh the billy the bootlicker character did have some commentary uh, about your little your little pantry uh, <laughs> All right, because according to Billy the Bootlicker, this wasn't me. I'm William. All right, I'm just going by what that motherfucker said. I don't know really? that. All right, really, and uh, and he made the argument that your little socialist food pantry has items that were provided by capitalism. So you you can't have socialism unless capitalism sells it to you. Mm. That that that's what he said. Mm-hmm. Really, I like that little sweater he was wearing. That that. An Uncle Ruckus sweater. Ugh. Ugh. Ruckus. I got Irish in my family. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I guess we should stop, Eric. Billy has a good point. What are we doing without getting paid to do this stuff, huh? I know, I know. Our neighbors, their neighbors 
I see those shelves in the background. What is that? That Home Depot? That's some fancy stuff you got there. <laughs> what are those pillows? Did you get those pillows from capitalism or socialism? Mm-hmm. You're resting your head on the profit motive. Uh, in other words, can't have socialism. We can only have capitalism. Yeah, God, this is a disgusting character. All right, I, I got to get the, the heck out of here. I need Uncle to put on my steel toes and hard hat. All right, y'all, you be safe, y'all. All right, we'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Indeed. Bye. Peace. Bye, y'all. Let's see. End recording. And then I need to end broadcast. Mm-hmm. Because and I also have to announce what I'm doing for some reason. Mm-hmm. There we are. Stop live stream. Okay, and then blog talk radio. Let's stop that. Oh. Yeah, there it goes.